Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. We are In the Booth on the last day of the week of Friday, headed to Pittsburgh. The Orange and Panthers tomorrow at 4 o'clock on a beautiful day here in central New York. Feels like summer relative to uh, what we've had of late. I think it was in the 20s yesterday. I'm not sure I could guess the current temperature within 5 degrees right now because it's sunny, it's bright. You Mentally, you walk out, you feel like it's 60 or 70. I just ran to the car and back, no jacket, didn't even think about it. No big deal. Sun is out. People feel better in a better mood when that's the case. I don't know if it's it's more. It got to be more than forty, but maybe not. It could it it could pass for sixty. It I says know, here it's, it's thirty six degrees. Yeah, it feels way better than that. Yeah, it's nice. It, it's a nice uh, break. Hopefully, it lasts longer than two days. It's like lifting weights or anything else, right? When you you know you, you when you go through the misery and you you can stop doing that, then boy, what doesn't that feel nice? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't the you you lift heavy weights because then when you lift the the lighter ones it doesn't feel like much of a challenge at all. I don't know about you, but I feel better about winter on a day like this. It makes those really bad days. It kind of puts those days in perspective. Like, yeah, you're going to get those bad, blustery, cold, snowy days, and then you get a day like this. Well, I don't think on days like this, I don't think of the bad days at all. It, the, the bad days still stink <laughs> a lot. Okay, when you get these days, you go, all right, well, maybe we're getting closer to the end of all this, and and at least right now, I don't feel like my face is going to fall off in the wind. It's a good feeling. Yeah, very much the opposite of it uh, at the moment, and a uh, beautiful day out there. So we hope people are enjoying their travels and uh, not the need for gloves and scarves and heavy artillery. Because if you're going to be out for a prolonged period, you might want to uh, consider that, but for the rest of us, we're good. On a Friday show here, it's kind of – figure this would be like the taco salad of shows. You know what I mean? Like that that used to be on Taco Night, you know, at home, Taco Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You eat your two or three and you crack the, you know, they got all the stuff that runs off and didn't quite fit into the shells and the crack and the right. and then you just crush that at the end yeah. kind of left. So the stuff that, you know, maybe slipped through the cracks over the course of the week or uh, we didn't get to or if the callers want to get to they can 4377644 ESPN 44. We've got a bunch of uh, odds and ends to tie in, we'll spend some time running through the highlights of last night's AmeriCU Jim Beheim show and getting uh, coaches' comments on a number of things that the team is uh, dealing with and going through en route to a road game that it's got to win. The Orange have uh, lost five in a row on the ACC road and uh, need to get one at Pittsburgh, a team that has not won at a conference game this year and uh, just lost at home the other night. So uh, we'll get into that here in uh, due time. We'll get to uh, Joe's Do We Care as well. Uh, we're talking Hall of Fame yesterday with the inductions announced uh, late on Wednesday night. Saw the news today that uh, Vladimir Guerrero, a player we didn't spend a ton of time of uh, on yesterday, the uh, hard-hitting, great-throwing outfielder, uh, started his career with the Expos, but uh, made uh, his hay, I guess, and put up most of his numbers with the Anaheim Angels. He is going to be the first ever 
to wear an angel's hat on his plaque in the Hall of Fame. So when he is enshrined in Cooperstown uh, in this summer and you go into the Hall of Fame itself, and I'm sure a lot of people in our listening area have been to Cooperstown and to the Hall because it's uh, not far away. Um, even I've been there. Really? Yeah. For a guy who – you I, wouldn't even know which end of the bat to hold, would you? I, I, not a clue. Right. The, the the instrument that you use to play baseball? Yes. No, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of, a I guess, a passive baseball fan. There's no team I really root for, uh-huh. but if it's on, I'll watch it. Okay. Uh, but I've been to the Hall of Fame, and it's it, it's even if you're not interested really in um, sports, but you like history, it's a good place to be. Right. You can sense the uh, kind of the history of America is uh, told through baseball in a lot of ways, good and bad. And you know, in the different halls of fame, you know, in the pro sports, probably the best in terms of the actual way people are enshrined is football with the bust in can. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool, right? They got somebody that's, you know, that's a real deal. It's got to be, you know, two feet by two feet square when they first start and uh, putting that bust together. Some look better than others. Some look more like the honoree than others. But uh, you're not moving that. That's your own trophy, a uh, little mini statue. Very, very cool. In baseball, their long-running tradition and manner of enshrining the player is the yay big plaque, maybe uh, 18 inches by 24 inches on the wall, has a little paragraph, a synopsis of their career, the teams they played for, what they were known for, some of their stats. But it's always been a thing. If you played for multiple teams, what hat do you wear? Chipper Jones going in uh, with the Braves, of course. No-brainer for him. Vladimir Guerrero, a couple teams to choose from. And will be the first angel. You can't really tick off a lot of great uh, angel greats over the uh, years. They've had good players for little times that were better players somewhere else in a lot of their history. But uh, Vladimir Guerrero will uh, go there. A couple of other odds and ends to get to. We can work those in uh, as we have time. But if you have calls, we'll get to those. And Stephen North Syracuse wants to chime in. Hello, Steve. Yes, uh, man. I, I was listening to the Daniel Baldwin show uh, yesterday. Awesome. I and, was too. Uh, I, 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 unless my ears deceive me, I think he said something about he was going to show up at Shaughnessy's for the Jim Beheim show and get the real story for <laughs> why Geno Thorpe left the team. Uh, I Listening to the show last night, I didn't hear Daniel's voice. I wondered if he... Uh, showed up in any capacity, and uh, was there a real story behind Geno Thorpe? That's a, that is a a great question, Steve, and here's here's what I think I know in terms of uh, facts. Number one, Daniel Baldwin wasn't at the show last night, but I also didn't take it literally that t- yesterday was going to be the day that oh. he was going to go. Yeah, <laughs> I, Daniel's welcome. Daniel has a, a very busy schedule. Uh, we'll uh, – Save a seat at Shaughnessy's for Daniel anytime he wants to come. I believe Daniel's in the building here at Galaxy as we speak. So if Daniel wants to ch- chime in on what his plans are, he's welcome to I can, burst I can, right through the I door. Can text him right now. Yeah, just he could he can come right on in and and tell us what his plans are and when he'd like to come. In fact, I think you'd find it interesting, Steve, as I did yesterday, leaving the studio and uh, Daniel was asking Polly all kinds of questions about how the Bayheim show works. Uh, I would like to have I'll answer anything Daniel wants to know about the Coach Bayheim show, and he can. He can come out. Last night we actually had a uh, a very typical Bayheim show scenario that we'll get to while we're not wasting Steve's time. But maybe I'm naive. I don't really think there's a lot to the Geno Thorpe story other than he wasn't playing. He wasn't happy that he wasn't playing. 
there may have been some raised voices about his not playing, and he decided to heck with it. I, I think that's that's the, all the people I've talked to about it. That's basically how the story has worked out. I I would not assume that every player you see in a major college or pro environment likes the sport they're playing, likes what they're doing. And I could rattle off a number of examples. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I think one, you know, one that's not going to offend anyone around here, Mike Messina of the Baltimore Orioles and New York Yankees. I think he felt like he could be doing other things, but baseball paid a whole lot of money and he was pretty good at it. So he stuck it out. I think there comes a time when you lose the love for the sport and it's not what you signed up for at seven years old and what have you. Um, I think it's not a coincidence that Gino Thorpe was on his third school already, not his second. And maybe did not have the long range view of the potential that there would be minutes for him as there obviously it turned out that there would be, you know, but how was he going to crack the lineup? Frank Howard and Tyus Bally wasn't going to start. He's not better than those guys, you know, especially with the year that it's turned out that Frank has had. But back in October, we didn't know Frank was going to have this kind of year. And uh, and when the transfer happened, it's a good timing for your call, Steve, because we're off to Pittsburgh, which is Geno Thorpe's hometown and, and the other school that he considered uh, transferring to from South Florida. They could use him. They could use a veteran guy. And I, uh, I, I wonder what Geno is doing now. Do we even I know? don't know that. Um, I'll try to uh, sniff around and see if I can get an answer for you on that. But um, I don't – to me, here, here was the – what you get from the coaches, and this is true of all the coaches I've ever worked with, mm-hmm. when a guy's not on the team anymore, they don't really have a ton of interest in talking about him. You know, right. And I think that relates to two players that impacted this year's team. Mm-hmm. You know, Torian Thompson left – I don't think it's like they're not going to take it out on him publicly or any ill will. It's like, look, Torian Thompson's not part of this program anymore. Good luck to him. We're moving on with what we've got. Geno Thorpe, same thing. And I I think that comes down to a little bit about how you build your team and you try to center it around people that want to be here. The the more that I'm around, Steve, and you you follow the games and all all the stuff as well as anybody, so much of this is mental. It has to do with your pro, your approach, your psyche, your comfort level. Um, you know, you can look at Frank Howard. Is Frank Howard an appreciably better player this year than last? You know, he probably is. But I also think something that goes into that is his confidence level. He knows there's nobody coming in for him now. There's nobody taking his spot. You know, and he's not going to um, be pulled out of the game and sit for the rest because of one turnover. In fact, that's been proven because he's made a lot of turnovers this year. Um, so. I can't speak for Gino. Never really developed a relationship with him because he was here so briefly. But uh, my understanding is, you know, enough was enough. He didn't see a path for how he could uh, impact this team or, or get his opportunity and, and decided to part ways. Well, thanks, man. I'll be talking to you next week. Okay, sounds good. And uh, did Daniel get back? Did you did you uh, make Daniel aware? If, I mean, if he wants to come in and do a little uh, – I text you know, Q&A him. related. I don't, I don't think that would be very interesting for very long, but he's certainly welcome <laughs> to come in and, and we can plot the time that he would like to show. I can, uh, I can, I can uh, fetch him during the break. Okay. Here is uh, the one thing that's really an interesting human. Well, let's save it for, let's get Daniel in here. All right. And uh, there's one human nature thing that I think Daniel will find interesting that happens on a once, uh, twi- let's say it's a, a twice a month basis. 
at the uh, Jim Beheim show. It's a little piece. It has nothing to do with Coach Beheim. It's nothing to do with basketball. It's a little bit of a human nature observation that I'll uh, run by Daniel Baldwin. So we'll do that. We'll get to some of Coach Beheim's quotes from the show and whatever might be on your mind as well. Four three seven seven six four 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 ESPN forty four. That's all ahead in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Crunch play the first of consecutive home games tonight against the Belleville Senators. Countdown to crunch time at 6.45. Puck drop at 7 on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. And welcome back In the Booth, brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Saw our friend Joe Convertino of CH Insurance just last night. He came out to the Jim Beheim show. And uh, several others were out at uh, Shaughnessy, so uh, good to see Joey in their new offices here just a couple of blocks away in downtown Syracuse at uh, CH Insurance. Want to get you some of the highlights from Coach Beheim's show last night, and we believe we have uh, Daniel Baldwin coming in here in a bit to answer Stephen North Syracuse's question about uh, his attendance plans on the uh, Jim Beheim show, so that ought to be interesting. Um, well, one of the big topics, of course, stems from the injury to Matthew Moyer. He played just five minutes in the Boston College game on Wednesday. A uh, turned left ankle. Coach Beheim did not give uh, specific details on um, when he thought Moyer would be able to return, but he used the phrase out a while, which I'm interpreting as uh, unavailable for the pit game. But uh, it allows the opportunity for Marek Dolajai, who played 35 minutes off the bench, a career high in the game on Wednesday night. He didn't miss a shot. 4-4 from the field, 4-4 from the free throw line, a career high 12 points, 8 rebounds for Coach Bayham and company. Well, he got a couple good looks around the basket, and then he had that little open 15-footer, which he hasn't been made, hasn't made but he, he knocked that down. He makes his free throws normally. Uh, he rebounded the ball. Boston College not quite as physical as some teams, and that helps him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's gradually been getting better after the initial shock of the ACC. I think he's been getting better in practice. But he'll have some ups and downs. He's a freshman. He's, you know, more physical teams will could could bang him around a little bit. But uh, he was huge in the second half last night. He, he made the plays that got a separation. If we hadn't made those plays, they would have gotten right back in the game. They, they're capable of scoring. And, uh you have to score to beat them. The point on Dolezal is he's 180 pounds, and he knows the spot to be in, but the bigger, stronger guys on the more physical ACC teams early on knocked him off the court. Boston College didn't really have those types of guys, and uh, Dolezal is getting his feet under him a little bit better and, and contributing more in that way. All right, Daniel Baldwin is here, and uh, Daniel, thanks for uh, for swinging by, first of all. Oh, thanks for having me on. Um, Stephen North Syracuse called, and he – heard yesterday as I did leaving the station you were asking Paulie about hey, what's it like at the Bayheim show and you, you and coach are friends and you're saying I'm going to show up sometime and I'm going to ask him the questions uh, I think Steve interpreted that as you were going to show up last night so he was asking what what are your plans exactly I, I think that Jim wants to be pre-warned that I'm within 100 <laughs> okay. yards of him <laughs> is, is that is what, what the uh, paperwork says <laughs> that, that, that's what the, that's what the restraining order says you, you know I know Jim for a long time and uh He's one of those guys you may not know from doing an interview with him. He's a very, very funny guy, a very dry sense of humor, kind of sarcastic. He's a lot more fun for me to go play golf with you know? right, right. <laughs> than I get to. But when, when I when I last saw him was at a dinner uh, function at Krebs in Scanny Atlas. 
And, and it was funny because I, 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 like an idiot now being on ESPN radio, I went right into, what do you think this year? You know, <laughs> and he went right into the standard, but well, you know, you got to be careful and you go, and I went, Jim, we're, we're not, we're not <laughs> on the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you really think? You know? And, and, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I would love to be, to go to one of those things. The, the hard thing for me going to it is, is that uh, I run into people that don't expect me to be there. And because of the last name and some to do with my career and the movie acting thing, it can be a distraction, sure. you know? So I would rather run that by Jim first, whether or not he really indeed totally. even wants me to be there, you know? I mean, yeah, totally with you. And you're certainly on my account. You're welcome. Anytime you'd like to come and uh, it would be interesting, but you were grilling Polly on the whole setup and the atmosphere. I found it interesting, and here's something that happened last night. happens several times a season, a couple times a month, that I think you would find interesting from a, just a human nature standpoint. Invariably, there's somebody who comes up. Like, you know, those people come up and they want pictures taken, interaction. He's pretty cool with that. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's painless. They come up, and, you know, especially today, you've got your camera on your phone, and boom, snap the thing, and away we go. But then there's always the, hey, you must know my uh, cousin's aunt's neighbor who works at the, or played for the, or what is it with that? You must get that uh, a lot. Let me tell you the worst case scenario. You're getting on the plane. First class is sold out. You got to get on the plane. (laughs) And all I have to hear is, hey, you were Bo Felton on Homicide Life in the Streets. Now, if you're one of those people that knows that show, you're one of 12 people on the planet. (laughs) But- you know every word ever said on the show. So you remember the time when you said to Kay, you know, and they can quote, and this <laughs> is twenty years right ago. Out of the script. And you know, and you want to be polite, and you want to look at him. I think what people forget when it comes to Jim, because he's a pretty giving guy. When you look at the things that he and Julie and the Beheim Foundation have done for the community, way over anything ever asked of them, he's a really nice guy. But he's a big celebrity. He, I mean, Jim Beheim. you go to the West Coast, and people know who sure. Jim Beheim Syracuse is. So, you know, having to be in that position where you walk and you're a pretty big fish in a smaller pond, you know, uh, uh, it's got to be hard for him. It's got to well, be hard he has an, he's extremely bright. He has an incredible memory. But the idea of, oh, you must know my... Right, right. Yeah, she were, uh, works in human resources. In the uh, I lean over and I said, "Is she still got a tattoo right here on her thigh?" Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, he doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. Do that. <laughs> but but uh, that that is a, a really funny thing because the the name that get because I like to think I know a good amount of people at the university. The name that gets dropped at the end of the "You Must Know." is very rarely somebody that would be a slam dunk that they would know. Listen, it's a lot better than saying, hey, Alec, you put on a lot of weight. <laughs> right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So let, let, let's call a spade a spade here. He doesn't have it as bad as some yeah, people. Yeah. I got to nice ask people. you a question. Yeah. I, I walked in, in the, in the and, 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 I, and I have noticed this about Dolajai, and you know a lot more about Syracuse sports and certainly the Syracuse basketball program, you yourself being a legend in this business well, of here. Of course. Um, and, and, and I, I got to Where was my plaque? Was and, 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 I'm and, trying to figure out what cap I'm going to wear on my plaque. I know. I, I got I to ask you this. So you take a kid. I've watched Olajai, and I think, and he's got a lot of skills for a big kid. He is very thin. Does do they not uh, like football? Aren't they going to take this kid in the offseason and try to put twenty five? Well, of on course, him? I don't know how much what his capacity is. Right. You know, the other thing you do in football is you redshirt people. You don't typically do that in basketball, and they needed bodies for this year. So while it's also technically possible to do that in another, you know, could he redshirt next year? Yeah, I suppose he could. Um, that's what you tend to do. In football, you'd love to do it to every guy every year sure. because you've got enough talent without them. You get them uh, on the college training table, college uh, strength program, which is night and day. Do you see Virginia Tech coming here with uh, veteran guys, 
uh, in a program that really emphasizes that. Those that look like a football team. Yeah, no and, doubt. I remember playing golf at Turning Stone with Jim the year that they signed Carmelo, and I said, "What do you look like this?" He goes, "Ah, you know, I'm not sure because the year before they weren't that yeah, great." Yeah. And he said to me, "He goes, but I got to tell you, I signed this kid." From Brooklyn, Carmelo Anthony. He said, I signed him. He's like 150 pounds sopping wet. He, he came into camp at 206. I mean, the, the well, that's kid, why he was a late bloomer in terms of being recruited. And Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, but I mean, he really bulked up and he got quite big. And, and I said, Is he going to play? He goes, I might not be able to stop him from playing. The kid's that good right now. Yeah. And, and, and I look at a kid like Dolja. He's got some real skills and nice touch around the basket. He's got a, a sweet jumper and they, they're not shooting great right now. If we could get the kind of performance that we got shooting percentage wise or even close to it against Boston College. We would have beat Virginia. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, on the road, on the road to boot, you know. So, but uh, I'm glad I'd like to see him come in at 195. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and the strength coach here is a guy named Ryan Kabilis, who does a really good job. Has an NBA background uh, with Portland and and been at UNLV as well. And the thing they do best is keep these guys available to play, right? So Syracuse, more than other programs, has guys that play 38 and 40 minutes, and runs the same lineup out there game after game. And that's been the case sort of here in recent years. The challenge with Marek is getting him more physically built to be able to compete with what you run into here. Marek's guy has played a lot of basketball, has a feel for the game. He's, you know, in Eastern Europe, they love the game and, and grow in a way that Pascal Chuku, that he's new to the game. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. from Africa, grew up playing soccer. You know, Kim Elijah won, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it turns out to be seven two. And okay, we're gonna we're gonna put a basketball in his hands and put his back to the basket. Um, Dolajai is not quite that way, and that's why he's you know a more skilled and a, and a more developed player. But I I think um, it'll be exciting to see him. How fun would that be, though? By the way, to to know you have room to gain. What if he if you showed up thirty pounds? If he was on the my diet, the burger and milkshake uh, diet, he'd. Well, you know, we, we don't. I don't know, you know, what his metabolism is either. Right. You know, I mean, right. some people naturally just burn it up, and he, but he's quite thin, you know, for somebody his height. So I wonder, you know, I would imagine in the off season they're going to bulk him up. They worry sometimes when you do that with a basketball player versus a football player. Is that yeah. going to affect his? I shot, think that's an old school thought. So my broadcast partner Jim Sadlin was a legendary high school player here. Went on to St. Bonaventure and played, and later coached there. He's like, we didn't lift weights, we, you know, and he, he was a hundred and. You know, sixty pounds as a as a college player and a good one. You know, and shoot, I don't think Roosevelt Bowie ever lifted weights, and then he turned out. You know, and that it gets different once you you get to this level, and certainly in this era. You know, we're watching. There's some old footage up here. If you watch even uh, footage of college basketball in the '70s, '80s, '90s, those guys aren't put together the way these guys are. You know, Derek Coleman stuck out as a you know brute. Force. Like, he was a man amongst I, boys. Absolutely, he was a man. but I. But you know, was he a bodybuilder? I don't. I don't know. You know, at, at the at the time, or were the people going up against them? You know, were they that? So a uh, different era, and you know, long answer to your question. But I, yeah, obviously, part one of the goals w- with him will be beefing him up a little bit. You know, you, you see that happen, and some guys are trying to go the other way. Syracuse doesn't have any of those. You know, right now, send him out to Arnold and the boys. Yeah, we'll get him. We we'll get him beefy. I say send him to uh, a burger joint and uh, get, get some. <laughs> get have some, him hang out with Joe Salzone. There you go. The the Joe diet. The, I wish I weighed 160 pounds. So that would be pounds. the opposite of the diet you were selling us there yesterday. So instead of, so when you could sit with Josh, and if Josh is going to cut off a quarter of his food, Marek can have the other quarter. Marek needs to have three quarters more than <laughs> me, obviously. So you can have what he's eating and then the quarters from That like is a, fa- a fail-safe diet. I like that. The water. 
It works every time. I like it. I want, you know, try to make some better choices. But we're heading to Pittsburgh where they put the fries right on the sandwich. You know, that's kind of in my future, I think. We got it. We got it. I'm going over the schedule right now. And, and man, we got to win those games. We got to beat yeah. them. We got to beat Tech. You know, we definitely, there's a few games in there that we must win. But I'm even looking at uh, at projections. Uh, you know, number 38 RPI. They're 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 looking at it now, saying that Syracuse is a bubble team. They come in at 11th seed right now, playing Houston and Dayton. And I, and I'm you know that that's if everything goes exactly to plan right now. But I mean, we could steal. This program has been flirting with Dayton for many years. They've been there before, <laughs> but like the recent years, been right on the borderline, right on the bubble. Just make the tournament proper. Last year, just missed the tournament. Could have been going to Dayton. They actually played Dayton. Uh, in the tournament, so uh, would not surprise me if the next time they're in or one of the well next year they'll be much better. But the next time they're in the tournament, I could see uh, Dayton being they're about due for that. So man, I'm 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 really really happy with the play of the Chook right now, man. He, yeah, he, he's really he surprised awesome me. He's really surprised me with his touch around the basket too. This is a double Chook game, you know. When you're playing Pittsburgh, they have a guy named Kenna Chukwuka. So you got Chuku and Chukwuka. Well, I just go, hope one of them ahead. doesn't chuke. Yeah, that's right. Hello. Right. Thank you. On that note, <laughs> we'll let you save the rest of your gems for your own show. There you go. Thanks, Thanks for you, having Daniel. me on, Matt. Yeah, and open door to the uh, gym. As long as Coach approves it, I mean, you're certainly welcome there. It's a, it's a public place. And then uh, you, you check in with him. I hope he says, come on down. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with touching it. I mean, it's a public place. It's not going to be my excuses there. <laughs> right. Putting the handcuffs right, on? Right, right. <laughs> it says right here. It says right here. I've got the restraining order. Exactly. All right, we'll do the do we care with Joe. We probably don't. And then we can wrap up with some of Coach Beheim's comments and other things looking ahead to the Pittsburgh matchup, which is in the peat tomorrow, a 4 o'clock tip time. Back with that as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. The athletic director at Michigan State has resigned. Mark Hollis has become the latest university official to step down following the Larry Nassar scandal. In his resignation announcement released today, Hollis says, It's been an honor guiding the athletic department for the last 10 years. Michigan State President Lou Anna Simon resigned on Wednesday. Nasser, who worked as a doctor for the university, was sentenced this week to 40 to 175 years in prison on allegations of sex abuse. Mark Hollis, prior to a lot of this coming to light, would have been thought of as among the best athletic directors in the country, uh, forward-thinking and smart and all that. This is obviously a major, major stain on Michigan State and everyone associated with it. Uh, and you know, Nasser is just the lowest scum of human existence that can be known to man. I just saw it phrased that uh, Hollis retired versus resigned, which is semantics. No big deal. He is 63 years of age. He doesn't need to work again uh, in his life, I'm sure. But um, the reason that he step aside today is not just the Nasser, but the real news of today, the next development in this story is that they're finding that there was cover-ups in the football basketball programs, right? Yeah. So a lot of what people have been talking about here, I mean, this Michigan State thing is just incredibly vile. Uh, it's larger in scale, really, than Penn State. The reason that it's not— It brings back a lot of those memories. Sure, and the reason that it's not 
um, thought of or being treated publicly or dealt with like Penn State is it's not the first and it's not football and it's not homosexual. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's let's be honest. That that's there's a lot of factors there, but this is just terrible. Point of fact, Nasser didn't just get sentenced to forty to one hundred and seventy five years. He's already serving sixty before this even starts. Yeah. Okay, and then it's forty, and then it's one forty to one seventy five. He's eligible for parole in ninety nine years. If he's living in a year, I would be astonished. Right, and, and and when he was sentenced on Wednesday, the judge said flatly, I have now signed your death certificate. Yeah, just brutal. And uh, un- unimaginable, unthinkable uh, damage that's been done to everybody associated with this. Here's my question about Hollis. You mentioned that he's 63. This is the last job he's going to have. He's you know he, he doesn't need to work anymore. But what about the reputation? Do you get that back? Um, well, I, I think it's the right thing to do for him to leave. This will always stick with him. I think the reputation is going to be tied to what is proven or not related to how active was he in this. Right. You, you know, he's got to go because everybody's got to go in this thing. It's that big of a mess. But who, what can be actually tied to people in terms of involved in cover-up? What Did he know this and keep him around? Did he know that it had gone to other programs? Was he complicit in um, keeping anything quiet or sweeping under the rug? If that's the case, then he he's not going anywhere. I mean, he can't do anything. If if not, if he's clear of all of that and, and he can prove like, hey, there's no way I knew about this or whatever, then what happens for 63-year-old former athletic directors is they then become consultants to this and that company and, and what have you, and you can see that uh, – happening in Hollis's case, but uh, not for a long while now because he's attached to the, the stench of this situation. And and uh, Larry Nasser, obviously, really, 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 really bad human being. Mark Hollis, from all I've heard, is the complete opposite and a, and a tremendous person and a great AD, but uh, you, you can't separate that from this any longer. Someone once wrote that we all want to avoid a comma problem. In this case, Mark <laughs> Mark Hollis, comma, yeah. who was part of a sex abuse scandal, comma, died. You don't want that. You don't right. want that problem. And maybe over time he can work his way out of that. Especially yeah. if it turns out he was not involved in any cover-up. Yeah, maybe. You know, the one thing that I'll have to plead ignorance on that I – Larry Nasser, I know, was affiliated with Michigan State. Did he – was he actually, you know, full-time there as the onboard staff – trainer as opposed to being all these schools have you know two three four ten trainers that actually work there but then there's also doctors and clinicians that are coming in and out um, from other you know organizations and hospitals and and uh, care facilities etc I think it's a little bit different if he was sort of like an in-house guy that that is even more on Michigan State for keeping him around and, and covering up and and whatever but uh I, I think, it's a bad deal I think he was uh to use the the phrase, he was outsourced because he also worked with the U.S. gymnastics team, right. and and that's actually when I first heard about the name Nasser when uh, when a former member of the gymnastics team uh, made the accusations, which I think is when the story really uh, took a life of its own. Yeah, it's uh, nothing about it is good, and you feel for all of the women and the families that were impacted by this, and it's just astonishing to me that it was allowed to go on for as long as it did. Yeah.
Steelers defensive end Cameron Hayward wants fewer distractions in the next season. Hayward says the Steelers would be wise to refrain from the distractions and antics, that's his word, that cost them a shot at the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl when they lost to the Jaguars. Yeah, I'd love to hear more specifics about what he's talking about and what comes under the category of distractions and antics. I I do think, and I've heard it said about the, the Steelers, I think this is true, they have such an infatuation or chip on their shoulder related to the Patriots specifically that they probably didn't consider the Jaguars and took them lightly and got bopped. They weren't ready to play and uh, got exposed. And now for something completely different. The actor who played Barney the Dinosaur has a new job. I think I can say this on the radio. Tantric massage therapist. You can use her own euphemism there. Uh, David Jordan charges female clients $350 for sessions that last three to four hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, that you, your mind could really wander if you think too hard about that. You're on your own on that one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. Back with more in the booth when we continue. We'll go through some of Coach Beheim's highlight comments uh, from last night. Get you set for the Orange and Pit tomorrow at the Peterson Events Center. That's when we roll along in the booth, wrapping up in a moment on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Great moments happen here. Throwing back of the end zone, leaping up, Amendola pulls it in, touchdown! Danny Amendola along the back line of the end zone from four yards out, climbs the ladder and may have just climbed the Patriots back to the Super Bowl. Bringing you the sports everyone else is just talking about. ESPN Radio, 97.7 FM Syracuse and 100.1 FM Oswego. The Orange Women on the road at Boston College Sunday. Tip time one, large pregame 1245. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Heard Brian Higgins there. Brian was in the booth earlier this week and the uh, Syracuse women with the Win there against uh, Clemson last night. A blowout moved them to 11-0 and in the Carrier Dome this year. They're on the road Sunday at BC. Back Thursday of next week against Virginia Tech in the Dome. Also next Thursday, we'll have another AmeriCue Jim Beheim show out at Shaughnessy's. Now, not likely to have Daniel Baldwin in attendance. There'll be time for that if, uh, if the mood and the room are right. But we wanted to get you uh, some of the thoughts from Coach last night related to really injured players. We talked about that a lot. Marek Dolajai stepping into the void of Matthew Moyer. Uh, I would guess that Moyer is, uh, let's put him at doubtful for the game against Pittsburgh on Saturday. Marama Sidibe didn't play at all in the Boston College win on Wednesday night, which is not rare, but with Dolajai playing all of Moyer's position for the night, it was a 40-minute game for Pascal Chuku, who had another nice performance from start to finish, and uh, Beheim addressed Sidibe in terms of uh, where his knee and ankle injuries have him. He's better. He's, he's getting a little better. It's been slow. I mean, he's been, you know, he, he wants to play. He can't hurt himself anymore. He's sore. His knee, and because he's missed so much time, his timing's off. He doesn't jump really well. You know, you hate to put a guy out there who's, he was kind of on one leg for a while. He is getting better. He had his best practice day today in a long time. 
But the other factor with Pascal, if he's in there on defense, he's intimidating a lot of people. So, you know, we, we, we hate to take him out sometimes because of that. But if Rama was at full strength, he'd be playing. He's still not at full strength, but I think he's getting to the point where he can now help us. And that's what we're hoping as we move forward. So uh, Coach Behan there on Sidibe, I think you would expect that Sidibe may be available against Pittsburgh. Again, if he's not, you're talking about Howard Washington really being the only player off the bench. Washington did have a couple of steals and and a nice role in the first Pittsburgh game and may again. Remember, this is a perimeter-oriented young Pittsburgh team that got seven threes from Parker Stewart in the first meeting, and the Orange will be uh, looking to uh, sense and see the adjustments that Pitt will be making and uh, keep them to 45 as they did the last time, you should be in decent shape. Again, back with Coach Beheim on Thursday night out at Shaughnessy's. In that case, we'll be looking back at the Georgia Tech game, which is Wednesday night in Atlanta, and ahead to the game on that following Saturday, a week from tomorrow in the Dome, is Virginia. Virginia and Duke play this weekend, a matchup of top five teams in the ACC. A couple of odds and ends uh, just to wrap up. The NFL uh, talent show was last night, and the kicker for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Justin Tucker, was the winner of that uh, talent show with his rendition of Ave Maria. He's got my vote there, Joe. I I, uh, I don't know that I'm a credible music judge, but uh, he's got me fooled. Sounds good. It's all in Latin. How do you know the difference anyway? Just I don't understand the words. So it's not a song I associate with uh, talent shows. It's a song I usually hear at funerals. Yes. So it's weird hearing people clap to it, but it, it was a tremendous rendition. And uh, Tucker may have a, a second career. Yeah. Uh, Justin. Yeah, he's a very He's a different kind of guy. He's he's not like uh, most football players. Of course, he's a kicker. The kickers are <laughs> uh, different to begin with. So the song uh, fits Justin's off-the-field um, persona and, and that type of thing and uh, seems like a good dude and did a nice job with that. So um, that's one type of football. The other is the XFL. And the more that, that the announcement was yesterday, right as we closed the show, that the XFL is coming back in 2020. And the more that the uh, reporting on that went on, the more I heard, well, it's not going to be like the old XFL. And my question is, if that's not what they're going to be in terms of an alternative, what are they trying to do? If it's just going to be sort of a spring league like the USFL or a minor league, you know, they, they have to get better players than they had last time. The football has to be more credible. But they did innovate some pretty interesting things because they were out of the box and, and thought that way. If it's not going to be that, what is it? I know some of the camera angles that they used was yeah, adopted by the NFL. Sure, what, uh, yeah. miking up people. Yeah, I, I think they, they look. They've got two. Vince McMahon has two years to figure out what this version of the XFL was going to be. I don't think it's enough to be the anti NFL. I don't think that's enough. And I think right now that's the general idea that it's not going to be what you watch on on Sundays in winter. 
And that's well, not they enough can't to start run a new opposite. league. There's no way they can run opposite them at the same time of year. No chance. No, they. I, I don't mean uh, doing direct competition. I just, you know, take the the anthem. That was a big NFL story. Uh, Vince uh, McMahon apparently is going to make it a rule that all players have to stand for the anthem. You know, I, I don't think you can create anything based on being the opposite of what its competition is. Make it stand out. Make it stand on its own. I don't think Vince McMahon, though, has a good track record of doing anything outside of wrestling. Everything he's tried has failed. Well, he did get the wrestling thing right, though. He got the wrestling thing he, right. He's but made a couple bucks with that. He did, he did the bodybuilding in the early 90s. That flopped. The XFL flopped. Uh, the movies have flopped. Stay in your lane, Vince. You're okay. a wrestling guy. Don't be ashamed of that. Well, I would say this. I, I would say everybody that's tried to rival the NFL has failed. The USFL lasted only two years. The WFL or whatever it was back in the 70s was uh, ill-conceived and didn't quite make it. That doesn't mean that there haven't been innovations for each of these that have, have moved, but the NFL is such a monolith that it, it makes it hard for yeah. find, anybody else to survive. Find a different angle because you're not going to compete. The one thing I would say about the anthem, that's the one. if, if that's something you really care about doing and prohibiting every anyone from – protesting at the anthem this is the way you can do it right at the start of the league you're opting in yeah based on on that and we'll see if there's any other types of social or labor protests all right we swung it through thanks joe thanks Polly. learn about airplanes back <laughs> on monday at two o'clock in the booth on espn radio syracuse